You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. President and CEO of the Make-A-Wish, local chapter Make-A-Wish, Rebecca Ramirez. Ms. Becca, thank you for joining us today. And I understand you got some good news for us, that you ex- exceeded your goal, the, the number of kids that you provided wishes for. So tell me about it. Yes. So thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to to share our news and to really celebrate Make-A-Wish Rio Grande Valley. Um, so our Make-A-Wish chapter, our fiscal year is from September 1st to August 31st. And um, we, our goal this year was to grant wishes to 70 of our local kids. And we grant wishes to wow. kids from Cameron, Hidalgo, Willisey, Brooks, Star, and Kennedy County. So we have a big area. Um, and there's only three of us in the office. <laughs> so, so we're a small, small team and We've got an amazing board and great volunteers, but uh, I'm excited because we exceeded our goal. And as of tomorrow, because tomorrow's our, the last day of our, of our year, we will have granted 78 children with their wishes. That's wonderful. Let's get a little bit of background. Uh, we're all familiar with the name Make-A-Wish, and mm-hmm. generally I think we're familiar with what you do. But tell me the history. How did it get started, and what are some of these wishes that are granted to the kids. So let's start to, with the history of Make-A-Wish. Sure. So in, in 1980, in Phoenix, Arizona, a little boy named Chris, uh, Chris Gracious wanted to be a police officer. Um, he had leukemia. His mom and doctors and everybody knew that leukemia was not something that he was going to recover from. He was going to, uh, it was very aggressive, and he would not live to be a police officer. Um, his mom had her best friend was her husband was a DPS agent. And he said, you know what, if he wants to be a police officer, we're going to make him a police officer. So they pulled out everything for Chris. They gave him a little uh, police officer outfit. He got to ride a motorcycle. He got to get in a helicopter, which we don't do anymore. <laughs> we don't do anymore. You guys just go on. <laughs> hey, kid, <laughs> please sign the, <laughs> sign the waiver, kid. <laughs> hey, mom, sign the know, waiver, I right? Know. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Scary. Um, but so Chris had his wish granted on April 29th, 1980, and he passed away um, the next week. Oh my goodness. Oh. I know. I know. And that was, so his was the, that wish and Linda Pauling, his mom yeah. and everybody who was involved, that wish and Chris's wish to become a police officer and the joy and the hope that it gave him sprouted make a wish. Um, and the very first wish was to a little boy named Bobsy. And, um, so from then, from 1980 until now, Make-A-Wish has granted over 400,000 wishes worldwide. Um, our chapter, our amazing, small, great chapter, has been in the Valley for almost 27 years. Um, the original CEO, Ava Sandlin, was just an inspiration. And she said, you know what? Our kids need their own voice. We need to represent our kiddos here in the Valley. Because we were part of another chapter, and, and that, there was a wonderful. We granted so many great wishes. But we wanted to have our own chapter for our valley. So uh, we were founded 27 years ago. And since then, we've granted over, gosh, I'm going to get my numbers wrong, over 3,500 wishes here locally. The children who receive these wishes, they're not all um, facing a, a terminal situation, right? Correct, right. Okay. Right. We, we are, um, and, and that's a really big misconception. Our kiddos have critical illnesses. There's been so many advancements in the medical world. Thank God there's been so many advancements. So right now when a child has leukemia, there is a good chance that they are going to recover from their illness. 
um, we do have some children Thank that God. have their Oof. their illness has turned terminal. Um, we have wishes that are considered rush wishes, and when they're referred to us, the advancement of their illness is so fast that we have to grant that wish because we want their wish, we want them to be able to enjoy it, and we want them to be able to receive that little bit of childhood that they have been missing out on with all the doctor's appointments. So we have some children that, that of course, have terminal illnesses, but our kiddos are those with critical illnesses that many of them live <coughs> to be adults and visit our office, and it's really wonderful. How do you, because when you ask a, a kiddo, uh, what's your wish, kid? Somebody might say, well, I want to meet the president of the United States. Or another mm -hmm. kid might say, I want to visit Area 51. I want to see the aliens. And some of the kids <laughs> say, I just want to go to Disneyland. Okay, that's easy. Let's go to Disneyland. But, but there's sometimes, yeah. you, you probably have to say no sometimes to some of these wishes, right? And look for Plan B? Well, yeah, there, sometimes we have to help a, a child reimagine their wish. That's what we, we call it. Uh, you know, during COVID, we did a lot of reimagining. I'm sure you all can, can imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we couldn't travel. I mean, a lot of our kids, the majority uh, of our of Make-A-Wish kids, you know, our biggest partner is Walt Disney World. And we have so many children that go and get to celebrate in Walt Disney World and experience that joy. Um, but we couldn't travel during then. So we helped them reimagine their wish. We did a lot of backyard play sets like the Rainbow Playstations. Um, a bunch of sh online shopping sprees. So, so we help them, you know, find another way that they can really enjoy this wish. Children can wish to have, so, you know, have a shopping spree, wish to meet. Um, one of the big ones right now with a very long waiting list is Messi, the soccer player. <laughs> if somebody's on that list. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants to meet him. Who wouldn't? Well, you he's would amazing. probably need to. Uh, uh, he's in Miami, right, Freddie? Yeah. yeah. You yes. probably would need to rent like some banquet hall in Miami and fly I'm, all the kids there at the same time, one all, by one, stand yeah. in line to meet him and take a picture. Right. I mean, yeah. it's wow. amazing. So I wish to meet. I wish to go while Disney, you know, while Disney World. Um, I wish to be. I wish to be a fireman. And then we do have some kids that wish to give. Some of them use their wish in any fund that would have gone to their shopping spree or their trip to give back to others. We have some that started um, like soup kitchens and started doing um, oh clothes donations. Oh my goodness. So these children give back and it's just, it's so, so wonderful. Oh. Man, you got, me on that. you got me on that last one. I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's I said, but, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to keep it together on this one. I was not expecting <laughs> these kids to use whatever money to do something. Oh, my goodness. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's, 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 that's beautiful. All right. Uh, and by the way, thank you for that uh, verbiage. Uh, reimagine. I got some tool, mm -hmm. a new tool now. I'm going to tell Noah, hey, reimagine your request for an iPhone 15 or a, a PS5. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not, we no. We with it's our families, too. <laughs> reimagine, reimagine that. Uh, you got some, uh, my guest right now, uh, Rebecca Ramirez, president and CEO of our local Make-A-Wish chapter. You got some fundraisers around the corner. Tell me the, the next two so people put that on the calendar. We do. Um, you know, our fiscal year starts in September. Our goal is very ambitious this next year. We hope to grant 81 wishes, but we know that we can. Um, we know that we can probably exceed that. And we have 100 kiddos on our list right now waiting to be interviewed and have their wish granted. So we know that we have a lot of children out there um, who need their wish granted. We do have upcoming events. In Brownsville, we have a Wine for Wishes event that's going to be at Market Square. Um, we're super excited. This. We haven't had a, a Cameron County event in years, I mean, not since before COVID. And 
a third of our kiddos come from the Cameron County area, and really only about a tenth of our support comes from that area because mm. we're not because we're not there. We're not, we're not visible, and so we're really trying to be more involved in the community. So we do have a wine for wishes, so people can come out. It's on a Wednesday, the 29th, or I'm sorry, uh, September the 27th. And uh, it's a way to come meet, come meet, make a wish, come have a social event, and um, just have a good time and, and celebrate the wishes that we have granted in the Cameron County area. And so that's in on the 27th of September. Okay. We have a... Where? Something Where, called by the way? September 27th? Oh, I'm sorry. In Brownsville Market Square. Uh, the Market Square. Market I Square. did mention that. Okay, I got it. Yeah, and our, our friends from Las Ramblas and Bocaron are going to be catering, so <coughs> we're going to have some great food, great wine. It'll be a fun event. Excellent. Okay, that's September 27th. Hey, uh, come back to Freddie, producer Freddie, and um, as you get other big events, uh, let's just make some noise and get that information out there on a regular basis. For sure. All right? That would be great, yes. Well, thank you, Ms. Becca. Uh, thanks for checking in uh, with the local chapter. Make-A-Wish is... President CEO Rebecca Ramirez. This is the Sergio Show. If you listen carefully to the news, you'll notice a, a smattering of reports, uptick in COVID positive tests coming up, maybe a few schools here and there expressing concern, their staff, their kids. Uh, they've got upper respiratory infections. They've got COVID. They've got flu. They've got RSV. Uh, they even got uh, strep throat. Hey, can you tell kids are back in school? That, that's likely why we see an uptick in some of the COVID numbers. Let me go to a friend that we made during the COVID season. He was fighting COVID-19 with the development of his own brand of vaccine and treatment. David Dodd from GeoVax. It's been a while, Dave, since since we've spoken. And I think that's a good thing because we had, uh, you know, COVID kind of disappeared from the headlines. It's coming back just a little bit right now. Uh, tell folks about your GeoVax effort to fight COVID, prevent COVID. Tell me about your vaccine effort. Sure, and thank you. And, th- and it's good to, uh, good to be back. Let's yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, well, GFX has uh, three phase two clinical programs. Uh, we've never slowed down. We have a next generation vaccine. Uh, it appears to be involved with this uh, recently announced White House initiative. They call it the next gen. Project NextGen is looking for COVID-19 vaccines that are more robust, so broader protection, more durable, so you don't have to keep getting boosters. And most importantly, it's now well recognized that the vast majority of individuals are not at high risk uh, for COVID. Uh, Those that are are people with uh, compromised immune systems. These are individuals that, that may have various blood cancers. They may have sickle cell anemia, renal disease, et cetera, about 15 million, frankly, in the United States. And their bodies are depleted from their ability to respond to an antibody stimulation, which is what you receive from the currently authorized vaccines or the monoclonal antibody therapy. So you have 15 million people out there, the highest risk groups, but the current vaccines and the current therapies are inadequate for them. So the White House recently announced a $5 billion program uh, for those, and we're right in, uh, right in the middle of that. We have three phase two clinical trials among uh, individuals with compromised immune systems, various blood cancers, stem cell transplant patients, chronic lymphocytic leukemia patients. Uh, so, so we're right into there, and we recognize that it's not going away. Variants are going to continue to emerge, and in fact, our vaccine has shown that it protects from the original Wuhan strain all the way through 
the most, well, not the most, most recent, but the most recent XB 1.5 uh, variant that everybody was running around about a month ago concerned about. And we've been able to demonstrate that our vaccine, without any modifications, continues to provide protection. So we're quite excited about it. From GeoVax, David Dodd, he's been working on a vaccine. They're at clinical trial stage, and they're still working these studies patiently and methodically. How How is your vaccine? Can you compare it to the arm mRNA stuff that's out there right now that's popular? Is it similar? Is it different? Can you describe it? Totally different. Totally different. The mRNA vaccine is a new technology, and it focuses uh, primarily on inducing a strong antibody protection. That's what's important in the initial stages of, of, a, of a, a viral infection. However, what is needed to be able to reduce severity, hospitalization, and potential mortality is to address the T cells or the cellular immunity. And unfortunately, the mRNA vaccine does not do much against the T cell system. Ours, uh, we've recently presented data at the World Vaccine Congress in direct comparison to the mRNA vaccine. Ours shows significant, strong uh, inducement of T cell as well as antibody response. And we believe that's the advantage that will give us a more robust protection and a more durable protection because T cells drive memory or durability. And our vaccine has been shown to basically be, a, it, it conserve, it's conserved, meaning it's not depleted when it goes against variants all the, ways from the, all the way from the original Wuhan strain through the latest right. Omicron. So, well, so we're quite excited about sure, it. Sure, since you've had uh, extra time now to patiently and methodically, as I said, to develop this vaccine, have you discovered any side effects? You know how it is with the mRNA stuff sure. and how people are suspicious and they, and they give it the, the evil lies. Hey, we got some heart issues That's with some young, young people on that stuff. Uh, are there any side effects? And your completely different vaccine that uh, you care to share? Yeah, our technology, the basis of our vaccine is a technology that was actually developed around the late 1960s. It was developed specifically to be the smallpox vaccine for people with compromised immune systems. So it has to be exquisitely safe because these are individuals who could not tolerate. Their, their bodies were so depleted from, from uh, immune, immune protection that it had to be able to protect them and yet be able to provide the protection so protect them from having side effects but provide them the protection against uh, right. smallpox and it's also now okay. uh, monkeypox so it's, it's recognized for being extremely safe Ten and for people for, for a long time dave i have seconds and i gotta go um, real quick 10 seconds how much longer you're going to be in clinical trials before you're released to market well, we have three. I, I, we really don't know. We're, we're going to go into discussions within the next year with regulatory authorities about expedited uh, pathway f among certain patient groups that have the compromised uh, immune system. So, so we're looking for the opportunity to see it go in sooner rather than later. All right. and, and that'll come out of the negotiations and discussions that we have. But the data will be coming out uh, in less than a year on some of our trials that All will right. give us that basis for discussion. Take your time. Make sure you do it right <laughs> the first time. The other time we were panicking and looking for anything to try to, to right. fix this thing. Thank you, David. David Dodd from GeoVax. This is the Sergio Show.
you're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. According to news reports on crime, some say that auto theft is up 34% in the past year. That's an amazing amount. Let me go to an industry, insurance industry pro, Michael Johnson, with us. Okay, Mike, why such a huge increase? What's going on? Hey, good morning. Well, you know, we're seeing that across the board. Uh, doesn't matter the city. Uh, big time increases. I, you know what? I think you gotta. I think you gotta peel back the layers. I think you gotta kind of look at the economy, see what's going on in certain cities, man. I think some people are struggling more than people would like to say. And usually, when that takes place, you kind of see theft is up. Yeah, you know, in times is. are tough. People will do some things. So we're seeing that in you know different categories. You know, obviously, your Hyundai was up, Kia was up because of the TikTok video. They kind of say, hey, here's exactly how you steal this car. Explain that for me, because not everybody's familiar with TikTok. <laughs> not everybody has Communist Party on TikTok in this right. audience. You know what I mean? But yeah, ex- explain that uh, the, that unique type of video and, and the theft. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's informational. It's kind of like YouTube and everything else. It basically should, a TikTok video came out and said, "Hey, here, guess what? Here's a challenge, which is a stupid challenge. But but you know, here's a challenge. Let's let's see. Here's exactly how you can steal this car, and this is how easy it is to do it." So when they did that, it went viral. Yeah. So, of course, a few idiots decided, that let's try it. Let's do it. But they're still in cars with, you know, with different intent. And, and it's still a theft all the same. You sure. know, you rip the console out. You do what you do. It's costing money to get it fixed. So we saw uptick, uh, uptick in that piece there uh, across the board. You, so. But you know how it is when video oh, videos, they go viral by the hundreds of thousands and millions. And you get a small fraction of, of people that actually... Um, commit to imitating that well right. it, it, do you think that perhaps that uh, viral video may have con- overly contributed to the increase uh, the huge percentage increase in auto theft over the it past has. 12 months it has it has but you know what else too i think you know the fact that we're you know we're not punishing people for for That's doing true. wrong committing That's true. when you're still in theft you, there should be a punishment a consequence to that when, you know, the police department and things of that nature, or they, they don't have the manpower or the capacity to, to punish these folks, you just figure, hey, it's okay to kick in the door or to steal a car. And no, it's not. You know what I'm saying? It's wrong. Wrong is wrong. We have too so, many cities so that have very, yeah, too many cities that have do-gooder prosecutors, DAs, put in there by uninformed an uninformed electric, not realizing how aggressive these individuals were going to be in changing things at the DA or the prosecutor's office and not prosecuting thievery, not prosecuting car theft, not prosecuting carjacking, not prosecuting shoplifting, and there you go. The cops not making the arrest, not investigating this because they know that the prosecutor is not going to move forward with this case, so why even bother, right? And multiply that several times in major cities across the country. There you go. You have have a major problem now. 
you know what the problem is, but that affects everybody because we're doing that. The, the gentleman that's in retirement that's on a budget and they've worked their whole life to get to this point to enjoy life. They're, they, they're sending uptick in this in, in insurance because of this silly guy is stealing Cadillac converters and, and looking yeah. at a TikTok video and they're not being prosecuted. So it's affecting everybody. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's another thing. And that one's been in the news for a while. All these, um, yeah. these, these converters and other things that they steal, these components yeah. within the motors that, that they steal. All right. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate your time. Uh, anybody uh, want to find you? What do they, where do they go online? Mike? You know what? Keep it simple. Big Mike Insurance. Everybody knows a Big Mike. BigMikeInsurance.com. <laughs> BigMikeInsurance.com. Thank you, Mike. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. We're listening to enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. From Texas State Technical College Vice Chancellor, Gladia Hernandez. How long have you been with TSTC, Ms. Hernandez? So, so I've been with TSTC for about 10 years. I've been collaborating, partnering with them for, for a lot longer. I've been in higher ed a little bit over 20 years. Yes, yeah, so you, you definitely have seen the evolution of the Rio Grande Valley economy over the past 10 years. Let me start off this conversation getting your initial thoughts on on that specific, the evolution of the economy. We went from almost having nothing being ag and having some light manufacturing in the region just south of us in Mexico to all of a sudden we are the tip of the spear when it comes to, on the private side of it, delivery of payload into space. We got SpaceX here at Boca Chica. We've got liquefied natural gas to be exported from the port of browns we have a final decision on that and so much more industry on the way and much of that at the port which you're very close to there at tstc you want to get your initial thoughts on the rapid evolution of the economy here in south texas well south texas is a prime place for manufacturing and other companies to come and relocate we have such a great uh, population of a skilled workforce, a very young workforce and thriving workforce, as, lo- as well as being able to be so close to the border. So for us to be a prime location, we often hear in real estate, location, location, mm-hmm. location. Well, that's exactly what South, Tex- South Texas is for a lot of these manufacturers and a lot of these companies. So being able to see the, the large investment in our community, it, you know, it brings such pride to be able to have been born and raised here and be able to see how our region is just growing. And more importantly, how we're seeing the strength through the, through the skilled workforce that we're able to provide these companies. Companies are able to relocate here and be able to hire locally because we have the skilled talent because of all of the great, amazing programs that we have here in the region. Yeah, we have such a young population as well. Through the years, uh, there are TS. STC, you and folks at Texas workforce and, and, of course, industry and economic development have been able to tailor, fit some of the training programs for arriving industry. Just curious, is 
the phone a bit more busy th- these days, folks from economic development offices, folks from different industries, and maybe prospecting the area saying, hey, how, how quickly can you get us up and running with X type of program over at TSTC? So TSTC is a statewide program. We have 11 locations around the state of Texas, which gives us an ability to be more nimble and more flexible mm-hmm. as we bring programs down to South Texas. So there's some, there's some industries that are booming in other parts of the state where we already have programs that are fully established. And so because we are one single state, uh, state accredited univer- uh, college, mm-hmm. we're able to actually bring programs down a lot more rapidly. So TSTC prides itself in being a rapid response at training solution for our employer partners. So we're able to do a lot of our training program depending on the need of the industry. We can do a non-credit training program that focuses on industry credentials, and we can start that up overnight. Uh, or we can have a little bit longer programs that are degree-seeking, your level one certificates or your associate's degrees, which we might have in other parts of the state that we can very easily relocate. In okay. fact, we're in the process of investing over $66 million here in Harlingen to be able to bring in some programs that we have in other of our campuses, and as well as expanding and broadening some of the programs that we currently offer to be able to be responsive to industry. And for yeah, you carry such a wide array of professions and, and certifications. And I failed to mention even high tech. We got chip manufacturing, software development, setting up at a huge campus here in McAllen. We're hoping and praying that's the that's a domino effect. Maybe we can see one. We see others showing up. And and, and I know that you have also on the high tech side some some training. Care to mention to us some of the new programs that will be available soon? Might be available soon at TSCC in Harlingen. Absolutely. So some of the programs that we're actually we're expanding and growing our capacity are any our programs in automotive, electrical line worker, wind energy, biomedical. We're also bringing in some electrical construction, solar alternatives, plumbing and diesel programs, there we go. and anything that industry is actually asking for. You talked about the you know high tech and the IT world. Our cybersecurity program is recognized by the NSA and uh, Homeland as a center of excellence. So our students are going through a curriculum that has been vetted nationally and endorsed by some of our national uh, partners. Clearly, I've done this vice chancellor at Texas State Technical College. Of course, we have our big campus here in Harlingen. You mentioned of some of the programs. Uh, I made note of electrical, uh, plumbing, construction of the 5,000 jobs that will be needed to create that liquefied natural gas export node at the Port of Brownsville. Yeah, that's going to be needed almost immediately over the next 12, 18 months. How, do you know how quickly, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know how quickly somebody can get certified in, in those skills to show up and say, hey, I, I would like to take one of those jobs here at the local level? Definitely. So we've actually been working with uh, with the LNGs as well as their contractors to be able to build some of these facilities. So we're already having training Excellent. underway. We've partnered with various other uh, agencies to be able to make sure that it's made available financially to our students. And so any, from our building construction programs, we have credentials that are as short as eight-week programs all the way to a two-year program. 
our bread and butter, which is welding. We have over 150 welding booths on our Harlingen campus, but we also have a mobile welding trailer where we are training right by the port to make sure that we're being able to have those students be able to complete, go through a 16-week training program and an eight-week training program and be able to go straight to work. Our megatronics program is also another one that is going to be very instrumental for once the, the LNG facilities are built, now we have to do the operations of it, right? And so we have our mechatronics program and our process operations programs that will be able to, to, to prepare the workforce for these jobs. We wish you continued success. Appreciate your time today, and I hope this is one of many conversations coming up near future because I know y'all are going to be real busy over at TSTC near future. Thank you, Vice Chancellor. Thank you so much, Sergio. Clavia Hernandez with TSTC, Vice Chancellor. This is the Sergio Show. You know, according to one study, up to 87% of Americans claim to have lost some sleep because of economic anxiety. They lost too much value in market holdings, for example. That, according to a survey commissioned by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, it was money issues keeping people up. At night. And we're reminded of a quote from Warren Buffett from some time back where he said, You will work until you die if you can't find a way to make money while you sleep. Dr. Kirk Elliott, economist, my guest. Look, I know valuations are way down when it comes to stock holdings, market holdings. The economy st- still seems to be strong and resilient. I know the Fed is doing everything to try to slow it down by, I guess, slowing down the purchase of homes and borrowing uh, mortgages and borrowing money to, to purchase stuff, try to slow things down. Uh, should people be as concerned with the economic situation right now? Because, like, one thing I've said for the longest time, like a living creature, uh, life will find a way. The economy, business people, small businesses, they are fighting tooth and nail to stay in the black, to eke out a profit. That is just the nature of economic life, and we, we will always strive and fight to succeed. Should, they, should all these folks be as concerned about the economy right now as they claim that all these people are losing sleep over? Yeah, well, I mean, your assessment is spot on. I mean, Americans are very resilient, right? And so we will kind of find a way. Um, reminds me from the quote from Jurassic Park, life will find a way, right? <laughs> but but yeah. there's there's a bigger fundamental shift that we're seeing here with, with the rise of the BRICS nations. Um, they're taking away our petrodollar status trying to be the world's reserve currency. And, and But what that means is there's no built-in demand for our dollar anymore because that's a big, huge trading block that's almost 70% of the world. <laughs> and oh, just last week on Thursday and Friday, they added United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia to the BRICS nation. So it's like, oh boy, now what? So the ultimate result for policymakers, and this is Jerome Powell's dilemma at, at the Fed, is they're going to have to print more money so I think the the pause that they want to see on, on interest rate hikes tax because they're saying they're winning the war on inflation, they're not winning the war on inflation. And and it's going to get worse as they have to print more money because there's less foreign money coming in from other countries because of the loss of our reserve currency status and loss of the petrodollar. And so we, we have this problem um, in America where, where all of the listeners out there, they're going to the grocery store, they're going to the gas station and realize what? 
Inflation's not 3.8%, really. <laughs> Gas is going through the roof, and the groceries are expensive, and it's hard to make ends meet, and this is adding angst and fear and anxiety into people's lives, right? But but there's, there's a, a reason why. So all of us can remember who are old enough, back in 1983, um, if you were to get a mortgage back then, a 30-year mortgage, it was an 18% interest rate, right? So... As an economist, we always have to ask ourselves, why? Why was it 18%? Well, because inflation at the time was 14%. The only way for, inf- for interest rates to slow down is inflation is if the interest rates are greater than the inflation rate. Huge problem, because they changed the way inflation was measured in 1996 under President Clinton. They understated it for political reasons because they wanted to lower the cost of living adjustments. But if you compare apples to apples, 1983 till today, Inflation is truly hovering around the 15 to 20% level yeah. unofficially, which means interest rates have to keep going up if they're going to use them to slow down, which makes Warren Buffett's comment, you know, oh, how, how are we going to outpace inflation? That's really what he's saying is if your investments don't outpace inflation, you're going to be falling behind every year. Financial private advisor, economist Dr. Kirk Elliott is my guest. Wages... I mean, I don't know how and when wages can try to keep up with what's happened the past 24 months, which is, in essence, 20 percent inflation, a 20 percent pay cut for the nation. And you know, we see just the, the standard numbers that are being thrown around by Moody's and other folks, $700 a month more, $8,400 a year more for the standard paycheck, you know, $55,000 a year for a household. I, I don't know how and when. Uh, salaries, paychecks can increase to try to catch up, at least uh, alle- alleviate some of that pain, relieve some of that pain. But but then right. it's cyclical because as those prices go up, they got to be baked into the goods at the store shelves and the services as well, which is cyclical and adds to inflation as well. Uh, I just I don't see how this bouncing ball, how you can you can stop it from from going crazy. I mean, again, your assessment's spot on, right? It's because wholesale prices are going up because the cost of raw materials are going up, which is going to have a net effect of of prices going up on the retail side. And this is the pinch, right? So, so you know, I don't think we're going to have a change in the prices, a change in wages, therefore. You know, rising prices wouldn't mount to a hill of beans a difference if wages would keep up with them, right? It would be like a net zero. But wages are declining. So how do you get wages to go up? You have to lower taxes, lower interest rates, and create jobs again. We won't see wages increase until those fundamental shifts come out of D.C. So now, how then do we actually invest, like Warren Buffett said in that that quote that you read? Well, you have to make sure that your investments are outpacing inflation. You know, time and place for everything. There's no such thing as a bad investment, just bad timing during during the Trump years and the Reagan years, when you had lowering taxes, lowering interest rates, and creating jobs, the stock market was booming, right? The bond market was booming. Real estate was booming. But we just have a shift in, in D.C. right now. We've got rising taxes, rising interest rates, a slowdown inflation they're creating, and therefore there's wage reduction. Opposite policies will have an opposite outcome, but it doesn't mean all hope is lost. Um, th- precious metals like gold and silver thrive during times like that, 
And so they will until you get a change in policy again. Then I would go back into the stock market. You know, uh, with the Republicans jockeying for positions so far away from the November 24 election and you know, still far away from the primary season, you know what I'm looking for, Dr. K? I'm waiting for the first Democrat or Joe Biden or somebody to dust off the tired old battle cry. Increase minimum wages. Increase minimum wages. When that is finally, when I hear that sound, I know the 2024 political season has started. Because that they always take that out only every four years. It seems every four years when it's time to run for president again. And spook the market. Spook the business owners. Spook the investors. Oh, no. We're already spending a lot more for everything. Now we're going to spend more on, on minimum wages across the board. So you watch. When, when that happens, I know uh, the, the starting gun has sounded for the 2024 presidential election. A final thought from you. Well, you're right. And, and you know, if you or I run out of money, what do we do? At the end of every month, we say, okay, we got to cut spending. We have to cut spending. Our, our income's not going up. The way that policymakers in D.C. do it, they don't look at the spending side of the equation. They always say, how can we increase revenue? They try to raise taxes. But when people are tapped out, that's going to slow them down. So I would recommend to everybody listening that the cycle that we're seeing right now is there. But once we identify it, we can act accordingly. I would allocate into, into strength, tangible assets that will outpace inflation. I think then you can have a smile on your face, even though we're, we're seeing the economy that we're seeing. Yeah, I'm going to buy a lot more gold and metals and a lot, a lot more Lego sets to try to resell in the future for food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. K. Uh, money manager, private advisor, economist Dr. Kirk Elliott. This is The Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710-KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. The writer strike and even the sympathetic actress strike or sympathetic works from from the actors in in Hollywood. It soldiers on. Now, there's concern on the front lines of movie making and TV shows, for example, that uh, movie extras, TV extras, you know, people in the background, all those folks will be replaced by artificial intelligence. And if if you know, I mean, all these computers can generate pretty much anything and AI, yeah, that would do a number on all those jobs. Tommy Habib is an expert in the entertainment industry. I don't mean to sound unsympathetic, but if it's time, it's time. And if the computers can do it, do it. Why should these movie houses and executives, all these people, and who have investors, by the way, why should they fork out all this extra cash for something that could be done by a computer? Well, you know, that's been the, the whole battle in business and machines and employees. Right. All along, and 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 it's going to take over. There's no question. It's moving so fast 
I have to ask you a question, though. What would have happened when, I mean, what was more powerful and inspirational when John F. Kennedy was shot back in the 60s and Walter Cronkite took his glasses off and you could feel his voice quivering, you could hear it quivering, and and you saw the power of that humanity, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you think AI is going to be able to deliver that story? Yeah. There's going to be some guy typing into an avatar, JF, and and you're going to get nothing. You're going to get an avatar reading that off. Yeah. It's not going to understand that inspiration. No, and I agree now, for for a lead for a lead role, a lead actor. Yeah, you do need the humanity, but. Um, in the background and, and the extras and the people walking the streets or maybe you know just a, a, a being a, a small portion of the movie in a cafe or or a, you know in a chase scene something like that all that extra stuff might be done by computers could be probably is already being done by computers and they want to trim the fat over the movie house and, and those are thousands of thousands of jobs that, that might be let go as a result yeah the lead role yeah you need a human being to to uh, provide the human feel, but everything extra around them, um, they might be able to save money on that. Hey, I'm a businessman. I get it. I get the bottom line. But what breaks my heart is that I promise you, they'll be able to replace everybody. AI is going to get so good. There's no question in 10 or 15 years, whether we we're striking right now, but whether we sign these contracts or not, studios have, studios sony has studios all over the world that that they may not have to participate with sag and and so what's going to happen is it's going to come down to the bottom dollar and they're going to some guy's going to sit at his desk and he's going to type into his computer his ai program create a a a movie like casablanca but with for John, a John Waters-style Casablanca for teenagers, and use, use Leonardo DiCaprio as a kid and maybe Meryl Streep as a teenager, get your inspiration from that. And this thing is going to spit out a script and spit out a film with, with avatar actors that are going to bring tears to your eyes. And it's going to happen. Mark my words, it's going to happen That's because it's all about the money. Yeah. But what I, what I hope is that it's going to flip in 30 or 40 years and people are going to go, no, 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 we, we missed the, the true work and the humanity of that, that human being on film. And hopefully it's going to turn back. I don't know. I mean, I've been in this business 45 years. You know, my kids, I have a 17 and 19 year old kid. They're fantastic actors. I have a 30 year old that's an actor, but he's already in his career. But my younger ones, I don't believe they're going to have the, they'll be able to have a career like I have. Yeah. They're going to have to figure out something else. And, Those. and, but you know, that's the world moves forward. We moved from, from eight track tapes, right. Yeah. To now streaming music. So I don't know what the future is going to lie. But I know it's going to change. Yeah, th- those jobs that are truly human in nature and ingredient, uh, there'll be very few uh, compared to what we have now. And you know who's next? Uh, oh, by the way, Tommy Habib, a veteran uh, television host uh, involved in the entertainment industry for decades now. Uh, we're talking about that strike, the writer strike, actor strike that will continue, likely not end anytime soon. Um, news readers, or as I lovingly refer to them, meat puppets, those 
will be replaced. Behind the scenes, you need somebody to capture world events, put it in some type of legible print, but then you've got the AI news puppet, news reader, uh, that will be dispensing that top and bottom of the hour for a while. Those are the ones who are next. I think a bit, I'm a bit safer in what I do because I'm a blowhard. I mean, I see something and I comment on it. I have a talk show, and I don't know unless artificial intelligence develops a soul and reasoning like a human being uh, more than it, it you know, pretends it, it, it imitates right now. I don't see it doing a, a viable talk show because uh, you need the human element for that. But on the newsreader side, uh, whatever AP copies out there, what, uh, whatever other pool copies out there for news, yeah, the the AI meat puppet or the AI, AI puppet will probably be able to do that here pretty soon, if it's not already. It, it's pretty scary, and, and i got to be honest with you. I mean, listen, I, I walked the picket lines in 1980. I was a young 19-year-old actor at CBS Television. And, and uh, I, it didn't matter to me. I was just happy to be there, right? But luckily, the union stood up for me because now, you know, I realized that it helped me make a living all these years. But, uh, and I see it now and it's a different world and it, it scares the hell out of me. And I gotta be honest with you, be careful because yes, that AI could, they could take everything you've done on the radio and they could have AI talking to AI. They're, they can mimic all of your your blowheartedness. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can they'll be able to take all of that. So be yeah. careful. None of us are safe Spit in this something world, out. Uh, from that end because if they can save money, I promise you, those executives are gonna save money yeah. if they can put an avatar and they don't even have to put up a you know, a video image, right? Yeah. And it never ages. Just, yeah. Well because AI can work so fast. Somebody could ask AI a well, question. You know what? And it's going to deliver your voice. If that's the case, Tommy, I want to take the... Yo, Freddie, how many years? What, 30 years in radio for Rush Limbaugh? I want to take all the Rush Limbaugh audio, put it into an AI machine. I want Rush Limbaugh back. <laughs> He's resurrected AI Rush, <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. Can, can you imagine? I, pro I promise you it's going to happen. They're going to... They're going to bring back. Look at look at what they did at Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah, they yeah. made Good him example. look twenty years old again. Yeah, he was. It was an avatar. It wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't him? And so, so it's not going to be. They're going to be making Elvis Presley movies again, oof. right? Oof. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he never really died, so I don't know how that works in. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I get you, Tommy. As always, a pleasure. Thank you, Amigo, for for joining us today, Tommy Habib. Um, look, what do they, where do folks find you online, Tommy? What's your website? Please go to Tom at Tommy Havy or TommyHavy.com. You can, you can learn about too. I have a great new series called to the rescue. We're going in our fourth season. We rescue dogs all over the world. Oh, in fact, I was down in the Texas Valley. Uh -huh. We did a big rescue in McAllen. Oh, man. so it was really very, very cool. See that. And, uh, it, the most inspiring work I've ever done as an actor for 45 years this, you know, I used to host the SPCA telethons with Betty White, and she gave me the, the, the magic, right? She, she taught me the importance of humanity and animals, and, and uh, that you cannot replace with AI, yes, my sir. friend. Great work. Great work, yeah. Tommy, of course, T-O-M-M-Y. 
Habib. H-A-B-E-E-B. Look for him online. Thank you, Tommy. This is The Sergio Show.